Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, wrestling fans, and thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, April 12th, 2014. I just want to remind you folks that tomorrow we will have Shannon Hogan, the author of Picture Perfect, the Jody Arias story, on along with Dwayne Cates from HLN uh, to talk about Jody Arias. And, of course, August 29th will be the big Michael Jackson birthday bash. But for now, we're going to be talking wrestling, and we have SummerSlam on the way. And uh, here to talk about it with us is the one and only uh, out of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome back to King Jordan Radio. How you doing? Hey, King, uh, great to be on. Happy to be here. Like you said, so much to talk about. We're just a few days away from SummerSlam. Also, we've got plenty to get into, as well as uh, WWE releasing one of their top superstars and big news about uh, their video game, uh, WWE 2K15, that uh, is going to surprise a lot of people. 
Absolutely. Uh, I think we might have Dominic or Blackjack on line four. Let's see who we got. Line four is open. Who do we got? Hello, mate. How are you? My brother. Brother Blackjack. Double JJ. King. There's a lot of stuff going on. I hope we'll cover a lot of the bases because there's so much realistic type of things going on. Well, first of all, uh, Mark Lesnar, that was a that was interesting last night. I felt like I was watching Monday Night Nitro. <laughs> if you remember the birthday party, JJ. And what did uh, you get from that? What, thing? You, what do you mean? What did you get from that? I got, By him knowing that birthday party. That Mr. Wonderful should never show his face on TV. That's besides the point. He looks atrocious. JJ, what about you? What, you, what, did you? what did you get out of that? Well, they're trying to make Brock Lesnar look like a big bad man. He was in the face of Rowdy Rowdy Piper. He was in the face of Ric Flair, and he tried to make the legends, you know, kind of flinch with his right. bad attitude and that he's a beast. And it did, like uh, like Jordan said, it felt like you were watching, you know, Nitro. You had all these guys uh, from WCW, even Mean Gene Okerlund, Jimmy Hart were there. Hogan, Hall, Nash. But, of course, I think that's WWE's way of getting ready for the uh, the debut of Nitro on the WWE Network. That should be happening sometime this fall. Oh, really? Yes. They're yeah, have you know, uh, speaking of that, uh, what's the latest? Who's getting the network now, JJ? Well, uh, they just announced today's actually the day, August 12th, that the WWE Network has been being released globally over 170 countries, finally, including Canada, Mexico, Spain, Australia, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Singapore, and so many more countries will finally be able to get their hands on the WWE Network. Unfortunately, uh, if you're in the U.K., you still have to wait until October 12th. Also, there hasn't exactly been a date set for Italy, Germany, Japan, uh, India, China, Thailand, and Malaysia. Those will be announced at a later time. But for right now, finally, Canada, Mexico, and uh, Hong Kong will finally be able to view the W Network. They are downloading now, so I'm very interested on how well the W Network does in their third quarter. You know, we talked about uh, – you know, how they did the first quarter with about 667,000 subscriptions, and that was just in the United States alone. And in the second quarter, they only gained about uh, 33,000, and that they were hoping to get a little bit more, but unfortunately a lot of subscribers oh, also canceled. only ending up there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a great sign. I think they're in a great direction, and this should be huge. You know, yeah. 170 countries, it's it's going to be very big for the WWE. So I think things will definitely look a lot better by 2015. And, like, they're really pushing the network. If you watched last week, Monday Night Raw, and, of course, yesterday on Raw, they're pushing that 999. And they even announced that, you know, if, if you don't want to do a six-month, a commitment for 9.99. They're also doing a 12.99. Uh, you can cancel anytime, no commitment. So let's say you want to watch SummerSlam, 
but you don't want to subscribe and you don't want to pay that $9.99 for six months. So you could just order, like as if it was a pay-per-view. You could order the WWE Network for just one month, or you can, like I said, you could cancel any time. So you could watch SummerSlam, and you could even cancel the next day, and that's it. And you'll just be charged twelve ninety nine. That's a lot better. Can you watch it on your phone? Some mobile. Can you watch? Yes. Some mobile devices. You can watch the WWE Network. Unfortunately, it's not on all devices or all smart TVs yet. They're still trying to get more devices compatible. They still need more. I'm sorry. I think we have uh, maybe uh, Dominic Valente. Let's try line three. Dominic, are you with us? I'm here. What's up, guys? Hey, Dominic. Dominic. How you doing, Blackjack, JJ, King? What's going on? Hey, uh, if you can, if you can get your birthday list when J- and uh, JJ finishes his thought, I yeah, like sure. to get to the birthdays. Yeah, JJ. Okay. Go ahead, JJ. Finish your thought about the network. Yeah, back with the network. Like it's a really great opportunity if you uh, if you're ordering the pay per views right now through your cable provider, you're paying forty five to fifty five dollars a month. So to, to order the network for just one month, just to try it, test it out for twelve ninety nine, it's a tremendous deal. You aren't uh, in any kind of commitment where you have to continually pay the nine ninety nine for six months. So it's definitely something interesting. I think the last time that we mentioned it, the price was nineteen ninety nine, but now that they released it globally, I think they're really trying to entice people to just try it out. They brought the price down to twelve ninety nine now. So now you can uh, try it out, watch SummerSlam, and even then cancel. So it's really up to you. Okay. Uh, I also want to mention that I did forget to mention this. Uh, my hearts and prayers are for the uh, family of uh, icon uh, comedian Robin Williams, who hung himself yesterday, which he must have been on in a real bad depression. Yeah. Only 63 years old, a uh, very talented person, yes. funny. I saw a lot of his films, and uh, just just a tragedy. Just a tragedy all the way around. Very sad. But nonetheless, uh, Dominic, uh, courtesy of 212-629-1900, uh, listen to Dominic. And Dominic, do you have uh, your uh, birthdays and history for today? Yep. All right, today's wrestler's birthdays, Terry Taylor. I know, the Red Rooster. Jonathan Coachman, Shark Attack Kid, Mexican legend Dr. Wagner Jr., Mad Dog Joe Stone, Mitsuo uh, Mitsuo Ishikawa from Japan, Carl Lara from the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, We also got Kid Vicious. Not Sid now, this is Kid Vicious. Um... Celebrities, we got baseball star Christy Matheson from way back in the day, actor George Hamilton, actress Jane Wyatt, and uh, Charlie O'Connor, who used to be the voice on Wheel of Fortune, and Today in Wrestling History, August 12th, 1969. Gotta love this. Roger Kirby defeated Moondog Lonnie Maine in Portland, Oregon, to win the NWA Pacific Northwest title. On the promotion, great Don Owen. And that's it. Wow, totally unbelievable. 
So, but uh, the big uh, thing is that also, uh, KJ, you were alluding to it, Gong, released from the WWE, is none other than uh, former world champ Alberto Del Rios. Isn't that correct? Yes, that is correct. Alberto Del Rio was released sometime uh, last week. It was a pretty shocking. I mean, we did know that his contract was coming up this year, but I, I really thought he would have finished it out. But uh, there was an incident where one of the social media writers or, you know, programmers of the WWE social media, whether it's Twitter or, you know, any of the other social media sites, you know, they were in catering and they were eating, having lunch or whatever, and someone made a joke about, you know, hey, you got to clear your place. And he goes, oh, isn't that Del Rio's job, you know, because, you know, he's Mexican and he should be, you know, cleaning up after him. And somehow that word got out to Del Rio. Del Rio confronted this guy, and then he pretty much just gave him, a, you know, a little slap. You know, how dare you make such a, a racist remark, you know, to me. I mean, I'm the, he's a superstar here. And it was just uh, just a very... Uh, it's a lot of controversy because Del Rio physically assaulted him as opposed to this guy just made an idiotic response, and then Del Rio kind of took it into his own hands to, you know, just kind of smarten him up a little bit to back off and not be so, you know, racist. And unfortunately, you know, during these budget cuts that the WWE is going through, I think they realized that Del Rio wasn't going to renew his contract, and I think that was just the excuse they needed to let him go. So, unfortunately, uh, Alberto Del Rio, he had his last match uh, last week on main event, and uh, that was it. You won't see him uh, in a dirty ring. In fact, this uh, Sunday, of course, is SummerSlam, but there's already rumors going around that Alberto Del Rio might make an appearance for AAA and that he might appear a part of their uh, Triple Mania Internet pay-per-view. So uh, I don't think he'll be wrestling because I, I don't believe he's, he's allowed to, but he is supposed to make some sort of an appearance uh, this Sunday in AAA. So it's a, it's a very interesting development. I've heard lots of rumors that TNA immediately wanted to get in touch with Del Rio, but uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, what's going on with TNA and him. And, of course, now with this uh, news about AAA wanting Del Rio and him appearing this Sunday at uh, their show. So it's, uh, it was a, a shock to a lot of people. I don't think anyone expected it to go down like that. Uh, Dominic, what's your thoughts about this? Del yeah, Rio. I'm gonna miss Del Rio. Like He's it? one of my favorites. If you ask me, it was a McMahon setup, and a very, very racial thing to say. Why Latinos are only good for being bus boys and washing dishes? Bullshit. Alberto Del Rio did the right thing. Slapped the guy good and hard, and they compared it to when Dr. D. David Schultz did that to John Stossel back in the day. If I was Alberto, I'd have been no, too. Yeah. So I think Alberto did the right yeah. thing. Now, for nothing, I think more guys that have controversy with their bosses, they should just simply say, look, if we can't work together like this, I'll punch my card and go and wait for you in the parking lot. So it's not like I'm on company time. Now, we'll, we'll fucking fight it out. That's it. And after I beat the balls off you, I'll punch my card back and go back to work. Maybe that's what Alberto should have yes. did to this guy. Meet him off the premises and just knock the hell out of him. That's what I would have done. I probably would have got fired too, but 
Alberto wanted to get out of his contract, and he's yeah. supposed to be appearing at that AAA, uh, Triple Mania thing over the weekend. Probably not in a wrestling capacity because there's that 90-day no-compete thing. But yeah. TNA does want to make them their heavyweight champion. I read that, too. That would be interesting. Blackjack, your thoughts on uh, Alberto uh, getting the boot from WWE? There's been more than uh, a couple of other instances that you that you never really heard about. This is one of them that just came to the forefront. There's nothing else they can do with that. They can't keep hiding it and um, not mentioning it. It got too, too many uh, wrong hands. So... The best thing that they did was Alski. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to get into the SummerSlam, but uh, first I want to play this great clip about Stephanie McMahon and how talented she is. And, well, let's hear it and debate it on the other side. Speaking of Stephanie and Brie, that led us to the main event. Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella headline Raw on Monday night. They were in the final segment. It's funny how we've gone from Daniel Bryan feuding with Triple H and headlining Raws to their wives main eventing the show against one another. It's not Triple H versus Bryan anymore. It's Stephanie versus Brie. It's just funny how we've transitioned into this now. Uh, I like this because it was nice to see the women ending the show for a change. You don't get to see that very often. And I know that third hour of Raw kind of bombed. I mean, it still did 4 million viewers, but it was a huge drop-off from hour two. Did that have to do with the women being in the main event? Probably, but there's no way to know for sure. But I hope they do that more often. Not necessarily put Stephanie and Brie in, in main event segments on Raw, but, like, you've got AJ and Paige, okay? I'm starting to really get into this AJ and Paige thing finally. I think Paige has found the right role. They're going to have a match at SummerSlam. I'm sure that won't be the end of the feud. It'll go through at least Night of Champions, maybe even a little bit longer. Well, what if you go through these next one or two pay-per-views, and then finally you've done everything you can do. You want to blow it off. So you build to a big-time Raw main event of AJ versus Page for the Divas title in some sort of hardcore, like, gimmicky type of match, whether it's just no DQ or some other kind of stipulation, maybe a cage match. I mean, maybe the PG thing would hold them back from doing that, but, you know, we've seen that in TNA. Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim had a ladder match that was awesome on Impact last year, and it was so unique because I, could, I can't even remember seeing a ladder match with women ever. Not in any of the major companies. It made it unique. It was an attraction. I felt like I have to see this. I have to see how this match is. And that was coming off a great, uh, I want to say it was also maybe a no DQ or false count anywhere kind of match between uh, Gail Kim and Taryn Terrell at, was it Slammiversary? I want to say it was Slammiversary last year. If they could do that in TNA, they could do that in WWE. I vaguely remember there being a cage match on Impact once between Mickey James and somebody. Okay, why, why not try something with the women like that. If AJ and Paige continues to build and it becomes this big rivalry and people are into it, they're booing Paige and they're, they're behind AJ because AJ is very popular. Uh, when it's time to blow this thing off and you've had two pay-per-view matches or three pay-per-view matches already, why not use that fourth and final match and blow it off on Raw in a big-time main event and, and put them in a cage or, or make it a weapons match or something? Anything they can do to break up the monotony of these shows and kind of break out of their usual formula, in my opinion, is a positive. Whether it involves the women or something else, I'm all for it. That's just one of a million ideas that you can come up with. But Stephanie, i got to say this, Stephanie has got to be 
in the lead right now for best WWE performer, overall performer in 2014. Uh, there is no better heel in the company, male or female, than Stephanie McMahon. Now, that says a lot about the sad state of heels, I think, in the PG era. Uh, but still, she's awesome. I mean, she is, she's great in that role. Uh, Brie came out of the crowd to meet Stephanie in the ring. Again, Brie doesn't work for the company, so she's not coming down the aisle. Stephanie asks her to drop the remaining charges against her. Brie says no. She calls Stephanie a rich bitch. Stephanie offered her a raise. Suddenly Brie perked up and she grew interested, which doesn't help the stereotype that all women are interested in her money. But Brie, uh, Brie said, oh, okay, well, I, I, can, I can go for that. But she also wanted her job back, which got a loud yes chant from the crowd. Uh, I really hope this doesn't turn into a Mark Merrow stable deal where Brian comes back six months from now and his wife is more over than he is because that was the beginning of the end for Mark Merrow's career. I think Brian is, is so well-liked and, and just better than Mark Merrow, quite frankly. That's not going to be a problem, but hopefully, hopefully not. Uh, finally, Brie agreed to drop the charges as Stephanie gave her her job back. Stephanie reluctantly agreed. But there was one more thing. She wants a match with Stephanie at SummerSlam. Stephanie tried to talk her way out of it. She was almost in tears. She was saying, I haven't wrestled in 10 years, uh, which, is, which is true. Last time she was in a match, her father was choking her with a pipe on pay-per-view. Very creepy family those McMahons are. Stephanie finally agreed. She was almost weeping. She was so distraught. Only it was all an act because she slapped the shit out of Brie, knocked her off the apron down to the floor. At SummerSlam, I'm going to make you my bitch, Stephanie said. And Brie ran back in to attack Stephanie. There was a big pull-apart brawl. Triple H was out there with his merry band of stooges, Joey Mercury, Fit Finley, Jamie Noble, who got loud chants as the show went off the air. I thought at first they were chanting, this is awesome, but in fact they were chanting Jamie Noble. So uh, he was the star, I guess, of the uh, the main event here. Uh I, I really did. Uh, I like the segment. I like the build. I think the build for Stephanie and Brie has been far better than the build, let's say, for Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. That should not be the case, but it is right now. Uh, there was an article on Bleacher Report talking about how Stephanie versus Brie is destined to disappoint at SummerSlam. And I'm familiar with the guy's work, the writer. Okay, he's a good writer, I, you know, the guy. But it talked about how the match won't be able to deliver. It goes into Dave Meltzer's star ratings for Brie Bella matches not being up to snuff. And I'm like, really, dude? You're using Dave Meltzer's star ratings as a barometer for this match? There isn't a person on earth who's looking forward to this match thinking, screw the G1 Climax. I can't wait to see Stephanie McMahon, a non-wrestler who hasn't had a match in 11 years. And Brie Bella put on a wrestling clinic at SummerSlam. It's, not, it's more of an angle than a match, really, when you think about it. I just thought the whole thing was silly. I think everybody needs to just temper their expectations with this match. I'm looking forward to it because I'm into the angle, and I think Stephanie is a great performer. She's more and more like her father every week. Did people expect Vince McMahon to go out there with Steve Austin the first time and deliver a four-star match? No. They wanted to see McMahon get his ass kicked by Stone Cold. It's no different here. People want to see Stephanie get her comeuppance and Brie Bella win her job back. Seems pretty straightforward to me.
All right, JJ, I want to start with you. What's your thoughts on the uh, Stephanie McMahon situation and when, when he was talking about on that clip? Well, you know, the first week when they did it, I was very surprised to see the Divas main event Raw. I mean, that that's the first time it's happened in almost over a decade since Trish and uh, Lita were uh, faced each other in the main event for the women's title. So you're talking about, I don't know if that was 2004 or three. so over 10 years later, we're seeing now Stephanie McMahon, who, you know, you're, you're kind of used to seeing Stephanie, especially in the Attitude Era, you know, the McMahon-Helmsley Era. You're used to seeing Stephanie in that capacity. You know, I think she shines best as a heel. You you believe her. She's so hated. She's like a legit bitch. I mean, she's so, you know, it's so easy to dislike her and her, her facial expressions, her mannerisms. She is just like her dad. I mean, you can see the similarities between Vince and Stephanie, how, you know, Stephanie can really turn it on and get a crowd angry and just boo the hell out of her. While Brie, on the other hand, you know, this is a new territory for her. Main eventing Monday Night Raw is very big, and I don't know if it's too big for her because you see her kind of struggling to keep up at times. I think, you know, she's doing the best she can. I mentioned before, you know, this isn't a Hollywood movie. This isn't WWE Films where you can do a couple takes. This is live television, and you only get one shot to make it count. And, you know, she's doing the best she can. The first week I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I know the ratings weren't good. The fans kind of turned off, and they, they did it again the second week. The second week they put Stephanie and Brie in the main event. They had a contract signing. They have Stephanie do the pedigree to Brie and Nikki, and that's how they closed that. I liked what they did yesterday. They didn't close Raw. They just had a nice little segment uh, in the middle of the show and I thought that was probably the right place for it. And I'm curious to see where it goes. I think this is a big deal for women. You know, a lot of guys, are guys dying to see Stephanie McMahon versus Brie? No. But you look at, you know, women who like, you know, Lifetime Channel, the reality shows, the Total Divas, you know, this is something for them. This is something for the female audience of the WWE, which, believe it or not, is a large audience. A lot of women watch wrestling. So this is something specifically for them so that they can sink their teeth into it and say, oh, finally, the women are a part of the show and they're not just a throwaway or a bathroom break. You know, the WWE is putting a lot of time and effort into Stephanie and Brie and even AJ and Paige. You know, AJ and Paige doesn't necessarily feel like a throwaway. They're trying their best to build up a feud here. Paige was in NXT. She was the anti-diva, and yet she came to the roster, and they automatically made her the diva's champion. It just didn't feel right. She just didn't fit in. But now that she's turned heel, now she's kind of imitating and mocking AJ Lee. She's kind of going back to that sort of anti-diva. So that's another match where, you know, I'm kind of curious to see. I think there's a lot of expectation for the women to finally start delivering and not just be a cat fight or a throwaway. You know, this is their time. They're giving the opportunity, two big matches at one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. These women have to deliver. Now, Paige and AJ, I think, could deliver a great wrestling match. Now, Stephanie and Brie, I think, could deliver a good angle or could deliver a great twist or storyline. Maybe Nikki turns on her sister. You know, maybe, you know, Stephanie finds a way to screw, you know, Brie out of the match. A year ago, Daniel Bryan won the world title, and yet he got screwed when they cashed in money in the bank on him. So we could have a repeat in history where Bryan had that moment 
where he won, but then it was taken away. So I'm very curious to see if something happens to Bree in that same fashion, where you think she's going to win, she's just going to dominate Stephanie, who's not a wrestler, and yet somehow there'll be a twist to take it all away. So, in a way, is it the number one match I'm looking forward to? No, but I am very curious to see what they do with the women. And I know there's a lot of women I see on uh, my Twitter, on social media, that are really into this match to see that the women finally get a chance to deliver something. I mean, if they bomb, then it's, it's just going to be awful in the future. I mean, no one will ever take the women's division seriously. This is their time to prove that we mean business. Absolutely. All right, Dominic, I want to go to you. What's your thoughts on the Stephanie McMahon uh, women's situation? Well, the women's situation, the women's division, I should say, always plays second fiddle to the men. The women haven't shined in ages. I agree with JJ. I think this is their time to put their best foot forward and show that the women can do it too. You know, the AJ AJ's definitely going to be cheered. We may even hear a lot of CM Punk chants. Um, Paige is definitely going to be playing the heel. So we'll see how this pans out. Um, regarding the whole Stephanie thing, it is more of an angle than a match. I don't think Stephanie's going to be able to wrestle um, or, or be able even to hang with Bree. Bree can go, but I don't think Stephanie can. Um, and to compare it to Trish and Lita... I don't think you compare that at all, because yeah. Trish and Lita were both accomplished. Stephanie's not an accomplished wrestler. I mean, <clears throat> in a topless calendar, definitely. But in the ring, I don't think so. Some no, way or another, I got a feeling something's going to happen early in the match, because Stephanie can't go. Something's going to happen early in the match with Nikki, because eventually they're going to do Nikki against Bree. So I think, I don't even think the match is going to take place. I think Stephanie is going to say something like, you know, I thought I wanted to do this match, but there's somebody that is more intense about being in this match than me, and it's your sister, Nikki. I don't even think we're going to see Bree and uh, and, uh, Stephanie. I think it's going to wind up being Bree and Nikki. Wow. Wow, that would be interesting. What do you with to say, uh, Blackjack? Yo, Blackjack. You there? Okay. Uh, Blackjack goes Must have off. Okay. Uh, let's get into uh, Russell, uh, SummerSlam. Coming to you live this Sunday on pay-per-view and on uh, WWE Network, and on, uh, I'm sure some bootleg uh, uh, bootleg links, <laughs> if you will. That's all good here. But uh, where is SummerSlam, JJ? That's in uh, uh, California again? Yes, it is in Los Angeles at the Staples Center again. What is that, the fifth, sixth year or something like that? It is. I believe this will be the sixth straight event at the Staples Center. Yeah, because I did go to a SummerSlam, and I think it was the last one 
in New Jersey before they went to the Staples Center when Booker T was wrestling uh, somebody when he was wow. King Booker yeah, back in 2007. Yes. But uh, anyway, let's start out with uh, the Lumberjack match. Uh, Seth Rollins to take on Dean Ambrose. Uh, what do you say, JJ? Well, this is very interesting, of course. Uh, I think is one of their really good feuds going into SummerSlam. I'm a big fan of uh, Rollins and especially Ambrose. And I think they've had a lot of fun with these two, uh, especially yesterday if you saw Raw where Dean Ambrose just kind of burst through one of Hulk Hogan's uh, gifts and he attacked Rollins. But uh, with the Lumberjacks involved, uh, anything could happen. Rollins is Mr. Money in the Bank regardless, so he can lose the match and yet still kind of save face uh, because he has the briefcase. But uh, I figure something's going to happen. There's going to be so many guys ringside. Somehow, possibly, Seth Rollins could sneak in a, a, a win. But uh, I would love to see Dean get the, the victory because I think he could need he needs it more. But uh, I just feel that Rollins is going to find a way to, to get the win. He's going to lie, cheat, and steal, and he's going to steal a victory at SummerSlam. Wow. Uh, so say you, Dominic. I see it going to a no finish. I see all the lumberjacks getting involved and starting new feuds with these two guys. There's going to be a lot of involvement with the lumberjacks. You're going to see them side with one guy, beat up the other guy, throw the other guy in, prevent the other guy from getting in. Too many people are going to get involved in this for a clear-cut win. If I would have to give it to somebody... I think Dean Ambrose is much better right now than, than Seth. Yeah. I think he's the better brawler. But, yeah. but we'll see. I'm, I'm still going with a no contest. Uh, no contest. Yeah. I think they're going to give it to Dean Ambrose. That's my pick. It's going to be close. But these two are the future for sure. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Blackjack? What do you think? Um, I just got another quick call. I I get right back to you. I, I got something that's going down that just went down last night. At um, I just figured something out. I just got a call. I'll call, I'll be right here, guys. I'm getting some information about okay. something. That's shocking. Okay, you'll we'll get back to blackjack. Uh, let's get back to the SummerSlam cards. It will be Roman Reigns battling out with Randy Orton. JJ, who are you going with? Well, I guess I'd have to go with Roman Reigns just because they're pushing that guy to the moon. Uh, they are trying to make Randy Orton look like a threat. They're trying to make him be the viper, the apex predator, and they're trying to make him look like you know the the guy he used to be years ago where he would just, you know, eliminate people with an RKO out of nowhere. And uh, I just think that Roman Reigns right now, he's the guy that the W is going with. I think uh, he should make uh, a quick work of Randy, and they should, you know, he should definitely get the win. I, I would be shocked if he didn't. Yeah, i got to go, uh, agree with you on that one. Uh, Dominic, uh, who are you going with? Yeah, I think it's going to be Roman Reigns, too. Um, Randy Orton slid down the ladder a lot, and we yeah. were complaining all the time that 
Randy Orton. Randy Orton is another John Cena pushed around, pushed down our throats. But can can Roman Reigns actually hold a candle to to uh, to Orton? I think they're trying to build him up as the next big strong guy. And by the yeah. way, doing that, I think I think Roman Reigns is going to wind up winning over Randy Orton. Interesting. Okay, let's go with a uh, band from ringside. Will be Luke Harper and Eric Rowan when uh, Bray Wyatt battles it out with Y2J Chris Jericho. JJ, who you going with? Well, you know, last month I was shocked because I thought, without a doubt, Bray Wyatt is just going to roll over on Chris Jericho, and I was shocked when Chris Jericho uh, got the victory uh, at the last month's pay-per-view. So I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, anything could happen. You know, the WWE likes to sometimes, ch- you know, change things up at the last minute. I would think, without a doubt, since Bray lost at the last match, that he would be guaranteed a win over, you know, Jericho, especially with Harper and Rowan banned from ringside. For Bray to get the victory on his own would be uh, really big for him, that he doesn't need, you know, the Wyatt family members there to, you know, score him the victory. So for him to get a clean victory over Chris Jericho is a must, especially because I believe they're going to continue at least one more month, and then Jericho is probably going to hightail it after the next pay-per-view. So I definitely think they need to have a rubber match in order for that to happen. So I would just think logically that Bray needs this win. If he doesn't get the win, then it makes no sense to have a third match. Okay, uh, Dominic, who are you going with? I'm going with Jericho. I'm still not into Bray Wyatt. I think he needs all the help he can get. Personally, I think Jericho could beat all three of them. If yeah. he beat Rock and Austin in one night, I'm sure he could beat these three guys. Um, but these guys barred from ringside, Bray does have to win to show that he could win without any any help from the outside. And this may be the breakaway point where Bray says, you know, I beat Jericho without you guys. I don't even need you guys hanging around. But on his own, I don't think Bray Bray is all that great. I think he needs these two guys with him. These two guys are as a tag team. They're no demolition. They're no road warriors, and they're definitely not Stan Hansen and Bruce Brody. Although JBL keeps alluding to that fact, but on their own, they're a decent oh. team. But I don't see them getting the belts. But no. for this match, I want to see Jericho win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Since he, uh, as JJ alluded to, that he uh, he won at that uh, last paper when most people thought it was going to be the other way around. I got to go with uh, Wyatt. Blackjack. Yeah. You back yeah. yet? Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, we're doing uh, SummerSlam stuff. Okay. So you said you're new there. Yeah, I mean, I, I got some news. I don't know uh, which fence you, you want to go with with this. Um, uh, Lesnar calling out to to, to Grandpa. Uh, something is going to give from that. Uh, can you see that? Wow. Do you see a match or a, 
in one last match, Hogan against Lesnar. Oh no way! Okay, let, let, let's let, let's bring it down to let's bring it down to the way it, it, it's 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 gearing for. Hogan wants one last match. That's he doesn't. Great. He wouldn't mind it against Sting, but they figure if we could build him uh, the legend killer, he's really the legend killer, Bresner, Lesnar going up against Hogan, and they they're gonna they can milk this all the way down until next year. Will they be able to do it? Will Hogan be able to still uh, hold up? He wanted one more match possibly against Sting. But now yeah. uh, it's going across the board that they're going to try to get Hogan uh, in ample shape. Now, what is, after what he did last night, uh, Lesnar, and in that interruption, mm-hmm. the, there's still a possibility. It won't be that much of a surprise. And the reason why they're doing it, you got 9.99 to get the, the uh, SummerSlam. You get 9.99 mm-hmm. to watch the match with Hogan and Lesnar if that does go down. You got nine ninety nine for a rock to go down at uh, at Mania, which could happen as well. But right now, what's strongly on the plate is Hogan in one of his last match, do or die, to get that belt away from uh, Lesnar. This is what I'm hearing uh, amongst the amongst the field, not on these computers and stuff like that, which you may be there in a few in a few minutes. But that's uh, that's the Rome that they're going to go for at this moment. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, and then the reason is they got they, they 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 got like the generation of Hogan maniacs that that that's new to this stuff. They know nothing about this new stuff, such as myself to to some extent. Uh, Dominic, he's still good. But uh, J.J., forget it. He, he knows this stuff across the board. But they want to get the, the fans in, uh, in, in Hogan's era to come back, to be a part of this, and buy this uh, uh, network. Yeah. So then um, yeah. Hogan's in a spot where guys come. He's sort of guys that he had there last night. He got Paul Orndorff. Uh, really, I guess the way they fixed him up, I guess he could have been there, you know. And then you got the uh, um, Scott Hall. There was a yeah. time when the word that he would say would rouse up the whole audience. A lot of the fans really didn't really dig into that. Did Did, did you catch that? Uh, yeah. Or, you know. The hey go. Right. Fans didn't erupt like they used to. Man, it right. used to be a critical thing. When he said, "Hey, yo," the whole audience would blow the roof off. And yesterday yeah. on Raw, it was kind of like some people got it, but a majority didn't. So they want more people to get it for the next time. Yeah, they they it. Huh? That was that was over, that was almost twenty years ago. Well, fifteen years ago at least. Okay, but well, still they want to bring was, that over. What the NWO? No, well, they want to induct the NWO into a Hall of Fame like Flair. I mean, Flair two-time, uh, he went in as Vic Flair, and he went in as part of the Horsemen. Now they want to do this with Hogan. Right now, Hogan is a, is a big carrier now with this uh, network stuff. They're pushing the hell out of this. 
that'd be interesting. That'd be he was interesting. talking about Hogan against Sting. Now, uh, I thought Sting was going to be a part of their birthday celebration, but he wasn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They did show the warrior a lot in that, that video, which was very nice. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a good video. No. That's going to really put it back on board here. Hogan, uh, they like him still, it seems, and uh, if they can make money. Why not? And then and in these other lands that they that they got the the new uh, network thing that they got on on these other countries Australia London and all that stuff like that that's that's gonna be big big as well. So Hogan names is the most popular with all this stuff. Hogan, uh, even uh, Flair, John Cena, those are the main guys that they're pushing. And then soon it'll be it'll be Sting. So in other words. To get that network over to trying to get Hogan back in the thick of things. Yeah, he's already been there, but he's been doing his um, his um, um, what do you say that um, that that little run that they do, that little meet and greets and and stuff in in these lands. Oh yeah, that's true. When they went to Japan. Yeah. He's the biggest, he's the biggest name there. Okay, now let's get back to SummerSlam where we're going to have a flag match. As in one corner, you'll have Jack Swagger, and in one corner, you'll have Rusev. JJ, who are you going with? I would have to go with Jack Swagger only because it's a flag match. He doesn't necessarily you know, have to pin uh, Rusev or make him tap out. He just needs to bring down the American flag and he can sort of get his uh, victory. And meanwhile, Rusev, who they've been trying to build up as this unstoppable machine who doesn't flinch and who doesn't get hurt, it's a way for him to lose without really losing face. So I think uh, Jack Swagger right now has the opportunity. The fans, believe it or not, are actually behind him. They're chanting, we the people. They're chanting, USA. I mean, I never would have thought, uh, you know, a year or two ago, when Swagger was in the main event at WrestleMania, that the fans would be cheering him like they are right now. So I think this could be a really big win for Jack Swagger. Uh, okay, Dominic, who are you going with? Uh, just because J.J. just said something, I'm going to go with Jack Swagger too, because you really don't have to pin the guy. All you got to do is capture the flag. So they're going to have Swagger win it, and Rusev still save face because he didn't get pinned. He didn't submit because it ain't about that. It's only about the flag. So if it's only about the flag, then I'm going to go with Swagger to take this one. And then they could go then another month, maybe another two months, and eventually probably Swagger will lose because they want to keep building up Rusev if he winds up going over as this monster heel. But for now, yeah, if it's, all, if it's only about the uh, capturing the flag, then I'm going to go with Swagger. Okay, uh, Blackjack, who are you going with? I totally agree with uh, Dominic and JJ on this. I'm going with Jack Swagger. Next, we have a WWE Intercontinental title. Uh, the Miz puts his title on the line against Dolph Ziggler. JJ, who are you going with? Uh, I would really love to see 
Dolph Ziggler get a big win at a big pay-per-view. It seems every week we hear the Let's Go Ziggler chants. The fans are slowly getting behind him. The guy always delivers. He always puts on really fun, uh, great matches. He takes some of the, the sickest bumps. I mean, he really puts his body on the line. But for some reason, I just feel that they're still trying to push The Miz because he's the company guy. He's doing the Marine movies. He's doing the, the media appearances on the talk shows, on the news channels, and he's doing all those you know appearances. And I think just to get him more over as a heel and to hate him more, he has to beat a fan favorite like Dolph Ziggler. But uh, I would love to see Ziggler win. I think he deserves it. I think he could put some uh, integrity back into the Intercontinental Championship. But I think just for right now, they're really pushing the Miz. They're trying to make him be, uh, you know, hated. And the only way to get this guy to be hated more is to beat somebody who the fans love as much as Dolph Ziggler. Okay, Dom, I'm going to clear you down with. I want to see Dolph take it, too. I'm tired of the Miz. Now he's got this movie star thing. Don't touch my face. Um, Dolph Ziggler had two big victories in house shows over the weekend. Pinning clean, Randy Orton. Getting out of yeah. the RKO twice and doing his zigzag on Randy Orton on both, both house shows. I think Ziggler deserves it. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Ziggler to win this one. Oh, wow. Uh... That's a very bold pick. Uh, Blackjack, who are you going with? I'll make it unanimous. Okay. Next we have the WWE Championship. As the champion AJ Lee defends her title against Paige. JJ, who's your pick? Well, it's very interesting, of course, that AJ Lee got the victory last time. Since then, Paige turn heel, so we're going into SummerSlam where we have at least a heel versus a face as before it was just two faces. But uh, I don't know if they're going to continue this. You would assume Paige is going to win, but I'm still not sure if they want to take the title off AJ Lee this soon. So I guess I would just go with AJ somehow. Maybe it's by a disqualification or it's a countout. Maybe Paige kind of snaps during the match. And, you know, AJ wins by default, and she'll retain the title. So I, I think AJ is going to leave somehow with the title. Okay, Dominic, who are you going with? Um, I'm going to go with AJ. I'm going to go with AJ to retain. I don't know what they're going to do with Paige. Maybe, it's, maybe it will be a DQ because she's showing that she can lose her mind if she, if she has to. So... I'm going to go with AJ to to, to retain. Okay, uh, Blackjack, who are you going with? I'm going to, my, my pick will be Mrs. Uh, CM Punk. Mm. No, really. <laughs> AJ Lee, okay. I think we're going to get some CM Punk chance also. I don't oh, see yeah. why not. Yep. The man is still involved with the WWE, despite yep. what... Yep. You might want to think. Yeah, it's true. He is going to be a part of the WWE 2K15, the video game. It was just announced that they yeah. will have a Where you're going to show post. In a video game, that's when you can see him. Yeah. Just like Sting. No big deal. Listen, he's a young guy. He doesn't need to 
he doesn't want to wrestle right now. He's been wrestling for 20 years, and he wants a break for now. That's so what he wants. He so he's not coming back right now. Maybe, not right maybe now, in but another he'll be couple. Back. Well, we don't know that. We wow, don't know if he's going to make it. <laughs> okay. Give me a black and white ice cream. Um, Hurry up. <laughs> what, does that and mean Brie Bella will, Yeah, of course. Brie Bella will... <laughs> well, okay, what let's try to finish. Hold on. Okay, let's go to Brie Bella against a McMahon. Stephanie McMahon, JJ. Who do you got in this uh, match? Well, this match all started out with her... You know, Stephanie and Brie were together, and Brie kind of slapped Stephanie, and then Stephanie, you know, got arrested. Now Stephanie arrested Brie, so we got this back and forth going on, and it should come to a conclusion this Sunday. But whether or not Brie gets the victory, I think, again, much like with AJ, where you'll hear CM Punk chants, I think we'll hear a lot of maybe Daniel Bryan chants, a lot of yes chants. We saw on Raw that Brie put Stephanie in the yes lock, and that got a huge ovation from the fans. I just feel that Stephanie is a McMahon. She's going to find a way to turn the tables on Bree and the weasel out and somehow get the win. Whether or not Nikki turns on uh, Bree, or maybe Triple H will be the special guest referee, somehow Stephanie is going to walk out of there and get the win. I don't know how she's going to do it, but she's a McMahon, and she'll find a way. Well, to me, this is a close one because, as you said, she is a McMahon, but uh, maybe she'll say to herself, look, I own the company. It's better if Brie goes over. Maybe uh, I'll put her over because, listen, I'm I'm in charge no matter what. So, in my opinion, I think Brie will get the win. Uh, Dominic, how about you? Who are you going with? All right, I'm going to just for what I said before. I don't think Stephanie's getting in there. I think we're going to wind up seeing Brie against Nikki. And if Nikki's playing the heel as the paid assassin, if you will, of Stephanie, I see Nikki going over on Brie. Wow. Dominic, uh, uh, Blackjack, who do you got? Whatever happens, uh, the victory will still side with uh, Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. I want to see them wrestle topless in Jello. <laughs> Uh, yes. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm making Italian style. No. I'm wrestling pasta fuzzle. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That would be, uh, that would be pay-per-view. Uh, yep. Or they... <laughs> then they can lick pasta fuzzle off each other. That's worth uh, the price. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And some... Uh, the WWE World Championship is on the line. The champion John Cena battles uh, uh, Brock Lesnar. JJ, who are you going with for the main event Sunday? I believe that uh, Brock Lesnar is just going to go through John Cena. I mean, there's been a lot of hype going into this match. Lesnar just defeated the Undertaker streak, 
And uh, I remember there's been a lot of videos going on with Paul Heyman promoting this and saying, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody ran for president and won. You know, only so many people have been president and won, and yet only so many people have been God and won. There's only been one person to be God, and there's only been one person to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Lesnar is coming up one of the biggest wins of his career and I think he needs to beat Cena, especially since he lost to Cena when he first came back to the company in 2012 at Extreme Rules. I think Lesnar needs to dominate Cena, especially with Cena having a Judd Apatow movie coming up. I know he's got to take some time off. They had a real great physical battle at Extreme Rules, and I'm hoping they can duplicate that in some way. I know it's not an Extreme Rules match, but I definitely see Lesnar being very physical and throwing, you know, a lot of elbows, a lot of like real raw elbows to really cut up Cena. So I think Lesnar needs this win. If Lesnar doesn't win and let's say Cena retains somehow, then they need to get Seth Rollins to cash in money in the bank because I can't see Cena walking out as champion. Wow. Well, I um after seeing Brock Lesnar defeat Undertaker, I think that he's going to go ahead and win the title and, and shock everybody again. Just how he shocked everybody, including me at WrestleMania. In uh, an upset, I got Brock Lesnar over John Cena. Dominic, what do you say? All right. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan of either of these two guys. Cena's been pushed down our throats more and more and more and more every week. I don't want to see him beat a heavyweight champion again. Brock Lesnar, I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he deserved to beat The Undertaker. I don't think he deserves to beat John Cena. He's not on every week. He's not a regular on the WWE roster. When there's so many other guys on there that I'd like to see beat world champion, Cena's not one of them, and neither is Brock. Who else would you want to see as champion? I always wanted to see Kane get another big run as champion. But I now he's called Kane again. Who? Kane. No, would you really want to see that? Yes. And who will his opponents be? Randy Orton, Triple H, and let let Kane dominate. Because this guy. Brock isn't isn't a full time WWE guy. He comes and goes as he pleases, and they're going to give him the title. But I, I like I, I, I think like JJ's Brock comes point. in more with the plate. You know, you really ever see him? I mean, who's he going to be going against each week? You, you got to have him like in months time come back and, and, and whip on some butt. Like look what he did with Undertaker. Now it looks like he might do that with uh, Cena, and um, that. Uh, a Cesaro guy, that's a possibility. And then he, you got a match, there's a match definitely in, in, in the brewing with him, him and Hogan. And Hogan, I'm sure, will have all the uh, old timers in, in his back. Oh, Hogan's never going to wrestle again. Never. Don't but, say never. I, I got it from good confirmed sources that 90% he might be wrestling at Mania. 90% chance. Uh, I don't it looks know. pretty good right now. I don't know. The guy can hardly walk, and he's going to get in the ring? I mean, seeing him walk to the ring last night, that's the best that I've seen him do in, in months. How about yeah, you, J.J.? Yeah, me too. 
Me too. I don't think he can wrestle. Maybe yeah, he can throw but he can a watch, punch, but he can't do work, nothing else. You, you might be able to wrestle after that. I, I doubt it, bro. It has, really. Have you seen that too, JJ? Yeah, I mean, I know Hogan he is wants a little to come bit He's been saying that he's been wanting to come back. He's been training. Uh, I've followed Hogan on Twitter. He's always posting photos of him working out. He's I mean, not that I'm a fan of this whole Hogan tweet twat stuff, but yeah. I, I actually talked to Hogan when he actually told me that he yeah. would he's not ruling the, the possibility of wrestling one more time at Mania. Yeah, he would love to do that. It could it could happen. Yeah, but, I don't know if I want it to be Brock because Brock – could end his career much like he did Undertaker's. I mean, Brock will hurt him. I can't imagine Hogan taking an F5 and he'd really shatter his head. Oh, hell well, I know no, by him God. wrestling against Lesnar, it's going to get the, uh, a lot of these universes together. This uh, yeah. Lesnar's people and the, the uh, 80 people and the, the 2,000 people, the attitude people. That's what's going on here with this 999. They're you pushing got- this stuff really, really really quick. You got people really? that in, in Hogan's uh, era that wouldn't even think of uh, going, going back to this wrestling. But now that you got Hogan back on, on the scene here, it's drawing interest. Possible. Well, there's no, there's no uh, doubt about it, but there, there are fans that would like to see that. Now, of course, right. Hogan's a big name. Let me finish what I was it's up not to. Be a I'm going to agree with I you. you on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with what JJ said. I'm gonna I want to see John Cena for the first time. I'm actually gonna say I want to see John Cena beat Brock, and then I want to see Seth Rollins cash in that money in the bank, and I want to see Seth Rollins leave with with the heavyweight title. This way, it's not on Cena and it's not on Brock, so Brock could leave for another six months, and then we don't have to hear Hi, my name is Paul Heyman. And this is my beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. I'm getting tired of that, really. You're supposed to. You know, he's the yeah, hero. really, that's, that's, that's true. If he's getting me pissed off, that means he's doing his job. Exactly. Yep. Unbelievable. All right, uh, let's take a listen to uh, the age. Should age be a big factor in wrestling? Uh, AJ Styles. Let's take a listen to this clip and debate it on the other Thomas side. Thomas from London, England. I have a question for you regarding age in wrestling. WWE and TNA both bring back a lot of old stars who were in their late 30s, early to mid 40s, like Chris Jericho, Batista, Rob Van Dam, the Hardys, and the ECW guys in TNA right now. While in some cases this is fine with Jericho putting over the younger guys and Tommy Dreamer acting as a good nostalgia act, do you think too many of these past stars are being brought back, or do you think more should be brought back? It seems to be happening a lot these days, and sometimes I find it slightly annoying when I turn on my TV and I see Tommy Dreamer, age 43, Rhino, age 38, involved in a main event feud with Bully Ray, age 43, when the TV time could be used to promote and get over younger talent. In a time when wrestling is lacking in the major stars department more than ever, I feel many wrestling companies should be doing more to put themselves in a position where they don't have to rely so much on bringing their old wrestlers back so frequently. Well, you kind of contradicted yourself there in a way, because you mentioned at a time that wrestling has as little star power as it has ever had, which is true, 
that's part of the reason, I think, why they're bringing these guys back, why they want Batista to come back. They want Brock to stick around. They want Jericho to come back, uh, you know, because they want those stars. They need the star power in their mind, and they've done such a poor job of building up enough younger stars. They've built up some, but not enough, so they have to keep going back to the well with the old guys. Uh, that's why they do it. So do I think they should do it more often? No, I, I don't think... I don't think bringing back more old guys is the answer. But, you know, the way that they're being used right now, like the ECW guys, for example, in TNA, I said earlier, I'm so sick and tired of the ECW nostalgia, but I know why they did it. They did it for the New York City tapings, and they're doing it again. You know, they're bringing Tajiri in. Like, it's going to continue with this next batch of tapings. So what you're going to get over the next two months of TNA television, if they survive that long, it's going to be ECW, ECW, ECW. The hope, though, is that when they get out of New York, if they, if they soldier on, they'll leave the ECW nostalgia behind. Hopefully it's just a temporary thing, okay? In WWE, they bring back Chris Jericho. They have him work with Bray Wyatt. I don't have a problem with that because in the end, Bray Wyatt's going to go over. He and Jericho will, will hopefully have better matches than the one they had at Battleground. Jericho can still go. You know, yeah, he's older, but he hasn't missed very many steps. So I don't have a problem with that as much. I don't feel like WWE is bringing back a whole ton of old guys. You know, Batista now is gone for the time being. They brought Hogan back, but Hogan doesn't wrestle. Flair, he doesn't wrestle. Sting, I want to talk about this. I'm kind of glad that I used your question. You brought this whole subject of age up. Because I made a comment on Twitter the other day about AJ Styles. I said, you know, for as much as AJ Styles is tearing it up right now in New Japan, I mean, he is kicking ass. AJ Styles is having some of the best matches of his career, and he's 37 years old. Okay, he's not as young as he used to be. He's not flying around as much as he used to. In a lot of ways, though, he's a better wrestler now than he was then. He's at his peak. He's in peak form right now. The matches he's having over in that G1 are just, from the ones I've seen, I've seen two of them, but I keep reading reports night after night after night, he's just having the best matches on the show. And that's against some of the best talent in the world right now over in Japan. So I read that, and I see these matches, and I just think, God, WWE passed on this guy. AJ did a bunch of interviews, and when they asked him about WWE, he wasn't against it. You could tell he wanted it. Like, he would have loved to have been able to get a phone call from them to reach a deal, he would have gladly gone to NXT. You know, he, he has said this in interviews. So it's not that he didn't want to go or it was his choice not to go. They just didn't have any interest in him. He never got that phone call. And it makes me shake my head. And people, you know, wrote in when I said I don't understand it, and they said, well, he's 37 years old. He's too old. Why would they invest in somebody who's 37? And I just think that is such bullshit. That is such a bullshit answer. I'm not saying that that doesn't factor into their decision. I just think that logic is such trash. Because here's the thing. You can't have a one-size-fits-all rule for all these guys. I know the way things are done now. They have NXT. They have developmental. They're focused on youth. They're focused on the future. It's a lot easier for them to take a guy who's 27 years old, who hasn't worked all over the world and in other promotions, and just... Teach them your way. Teach them the WWE style. Break them into your system. And you know that if they could stay injury-free, the guy's 27 years old, he could have another 12, 15, 20 years in his career. You could really put the machine behind him. Okay, I, I understand that. But 
Think of the way it used to be during the Monday Night Wars, okay? There were no developmental territories back then. WWE wasn't partnered with OVW. I guess WCW had the power plant, but that wasn't a developmental league, okay? That wasn't the same thing. You had this competition between these two companies raging on, and guys were constantly jumping back and forth. They were jumping ship. They were going from Raw to Nitro, from Nitro to Raw, and there was a guy by the name of Chris Jericho, who I just mentioned. And Jericho, wasn't, he was never a main event guy in WCW. He probably should have been, but he never was. He was never going to have that, that chance. But he got popular enough to where people liked him, they knew him, they saw the talent in him, and he could see that he was going nowhere, and he went to WWE. And that very first night he made his debut on Raw, it was about two months after he signed his contract. Maybe not even two months, okay? They didn't keep him out very long. They had the, the Millennium Countdowns. They hyped him up and hyped him up and hyped him up. And when he made his first appearance, all they did was flash his name on the Titantron, and an entire building of people, 15,000 people, went nuts. You have to think that a lot of those people have never seen Chris Jericho before. I mean, a lot of them did. There were, you know, Jericho signs. Like, clearly people knew who he was. But I don't know. Do you think the majority of those 15,000 people knew who Chris Jericho was? I'm willing to bet they didn't. But he got this monstrous reaction. And it was another shot fired by WWE, who was already kicking WCW's ass at that point. But they knew they had a talented guy in Jericho. They're not going to hold him on the sidelines. They didn't have an NXT to send him to. He went right to the main roster. He made a big splash. It got people really excited because a lot of people did know who he was. And I know he had a tough time kind of uh, assimilating himself, but that, that, that was more politics than anything else and people, I think, who were just jealous of him and who were worried for their spot. He talks in his book about the issues he had with Triple H, although you, you hear enough stories where Triple H, it sounds like he was jealous of everybody at that time. But, uh, but that's politics. That's, that's something else. He, he didn't have a problem going on Raw and going on the pay-per-views and wrestling people and, and his style clashing with theirs, and he had great matches, and he became a big part of that roster. AJ Styles kind of fits the same bill. AJ Styles was a main event guy in TNA. In WWE, that doesn't mean anything. So if they bring in AJ Styles to work, let's say, at a mid-card level at first, that's fine. I, I mean, I would have no problem with that. I would almost expect them to. I wouldn't expect AJ Styles to come in and go right into a feud with John Cena or Randy Orton. That would be the end game. You would build him up so that he can be in the main event. He can finally, you know, John Cena will have a new opponent, and Randy Orton will have somebody new to work with. He can work with Steph Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and, and maybe they even do something with AJ and Triple H. You know, there's a million different things that they could do. There's a million different opponents he could have. He's a big enough star where he's got a name, he's got a profile for himself. And right now, even at 37, I don't know about you, but it looks like to me he's in the prime of his career. He's having the best matches of his career. He's going out there. He's kicking ass. You know, he doesn't look like he's 37 years old. You never know when his body's going to break down. So this whole notion that, well, he's too old. He's too old. He's fucking awesome. And when you have a guy who's fucking awesome, you take advantage of that. What is with this one-size-fits-all? Well, we have a policy now. We're not going to take guys who are over the age of 32. Or we have this policy where, you know, unless your name is Sting and you're 56 years old and we're just bringing you in for, you know, a one-time gig, anybody else, you've got to go down to NXT and you've got to hone your craft and you've got to be down there for a minimum of three months. What is this shit? Why does there have to be a rule for every single person? Why can't a guy like AJ Styles become available? And look, a guy like AJ Styles, 
does not just fall out of the sky into your lap, okay? He still had 11 years or whatever of exposure on major cable television. You know what he's capable of. He's willing to come in and learn and work, and you let a guy like that go. Why? Because he's too old? Because he's too small? I don't know about small. You know, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk seem like they did very well for themselves. They signed Kenta. They signed Devitt. They're not exactly giants. So it must have something to do with the age issue, and it just pisses me off because you can't have this one-size-fits-all rule for everybody. AJ Styles should be the exception. A guy like him doesn't just become available like that. So if that's what was holding him back, and I don't know if it was, but people were saying that to me. It just pissed me the hell off. Like, who gives a shit if he's 37 years old? The guy is fucking great. He, he's not showing any signs of slowing down anytime soon. Now's the time to pick him up strictly for that reason. Because 10 years from now, he may not be able to have these matches anymore. You can't think about 10 years down the road with a guy like AJ Styles. That's what guys like Tyler Breeze and Adrian Neville are for. Okay? Those are the guys you want to invest in and you expect them to be around 10 years from now. AJ is a guy that you bring in and you use him now because you need bodies. You need stars. So to let a guy like that go and now to see what he's doing in Japan, I mean, it's, it's cool to see, but it, it's a real failure on the part of WWE. Jim Ross interviewed AJ Styles on his podcast a few weeks ago, and he said one of his biggest missteps was not signing the guy. It doesn't matter that he's 37 years old. You can still go after the guy. This, this one-size-fits-all bullshit is so stupid to me. I mean, if you had the same mentality back 15, 20 years ago during the Monday Night Wars, boy, let me tell you, that time period in wrestling wouldn't have been nearly as much fun as it was. Okay, uh, JJ, what's your thoughts on... Uh on uh, the age issue and AJ Styles. Yeah, I definitely think there's an issue with age. I mean, I, I can think back to the early 90s when we had, you know, Randy Savage who was forced to retire. I believe he was in either his late 30s or early 40s then. And just wanted to down and just do announcement. Randy Savage. I mean, Randy Savage is one of the all-time greats, and Vince just wanted him to sit down ringside and speak. I mean, you don't have Randy Savage sit down and speak when he can go out there and deliver five-star matches, you know, every week, uh, every month on pay-per-view, and yet that's what Vince did then. He didn't want this 40-year-old guy to represent, the, you know, the new generation that was coming up then. So I definitely think there is a sort of a youth movement in WWE. I think they only bring in guys, you know, for certain reasons, like a Batista or a you know, a Chris Jericho, again, Jericho, he came back, he's doing stuff on the road, he's working, you know, full-time for, you know, the the time that he's allowed to be there, he's, you know, he's doing everything he can, he's on SmackDown, he's on Raw, you know, he's doing, he's doing the work, and he's putting over the new talents, he's making Bray look better, I think Bray has had a lot better promos, I used to joke around that Bray would talk, and I didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but I think this time, when he's feuding with Jericho, I, I can understand Bray a little bit more. He's a little bit easier with his promos. He's not just all over the place. And uh, in the case of Rob Van Dam and, you know, Tommy Dreamer, Dreamer they're bringing in in TNA as this nostalgia with, uh, of course, the New York fans. And then Rob Van Dam and the WWE, you know, he works, you know, 90 days or so. But, uh, you know, I mentioned I saw Rob Van Dam wrestle last year 
and it was it was great. It was like you know it was you know ten years ago. He hadn't missed a beat. You know he can still deliver in the ring. And a guy like AJ Styles is a really once in a lifetime talent. You know I think of guys like Rey Mysterio, Shawn Michaels, as I just mentioned, Rob Van Dam. These guys, those three guys alone, are three remarkable talents. They're all great for different reasons, and you'll never see another Shawn Michaels. You'll never see someone quite like Rob Van Dam. And, you know, Rey Mysterio, in my opinion, one of the best cruiserweights, uh, one of the best, you know, luchadors in wrestling. And then AJ Styles, to me, represents that now. The last 10 years of watching TNA, I've seen AJ do some remarkable things. He's just such a naturally gifted athlete. He's such a rare talent that he's, he really is the phenomenal one. There aren't many other people like AJ. Some people can copy his moves, whatever, but AJ really is a rare talent, and it's a shame that at 37 they couldn't bring him onto the main roster or that they don't see something interesting in him. Maybe they don't like he has a little bit of a southern accent, and you know we heard that with Jim Ross. They didn't like that he didn't have that accent, and maybe they think that he might not do well globally. Maybe they think he's just, you know, some, you know, redneck, you know, talent. You know, he won't be attracted to a global audience or an international audience. But AJ's in-ring ability speaks for itself. I mean, he he's just really gifted, and I would love to see AJ come up and join the main roster. I'm not saying put him in the main event, you know, for the WWE World title against Cena, Orton, or even Lesnar, although I think Lesnar versus AJ Styles would be fucking amazing. But, uh, I mean, look at Chris Jericho and uh, Rob Van Dam, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. When they first came into the WWE, were they in the world title scene? No, they worked their way up. They won the European Championship. They won the Intercontinental Championship, the tag team titles. And eventually, they won the world titles. That's something that AJ could do. And meanwhile, he could bring some prestige to the Intercontinental title. You could have AJ Styles versus Dolph Ziggler. You could have AJ Styles versus... You know, Sheamus or Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose, and they could have phenomenal matches, and they could really, you know, elevate those mid-card titles. And it's a shame. You know, last week we talked about DDP started wrestling 35. Batista started wrestling at 30. And just because he's 37, if you put him in NXT, he'll be 38. You give him a year to go to the main roster, he'll be close to 40. And again, will the WWE want to push a guy who's 40? If he's AJ Styles, hell yeah. This is a guy who's not going to lose his step. He's not Hulk Hogan, who he's very fragile and can crack at any moment. He's AJ Styles. And it's a shame that he's not in the WWE right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dominic, what do you think? JJ, I agree, bro, 100%. I had no idea AJ was even 37. But the age and the way you talk, that's all WWE bullshit. Because WWE had a chance to get AJ Styles back in the day when he was younger, and they Mm -hmm. said he was too small. Now they're using the excuse he's too old. WWE's full of shit especially when they bring in these guys that have been around, like Prince Devitt, like Kenta Kobayashi. These guys have been around. Why did I got to go to the fucking developmental to wrestle the WWE style? They got their own style. Back in the day, everybody had their own style, their own different way. Dick Slater wasn't Manny Fernandez. Manny Fernandez wasn't Bill Miller. George Steele wasn't Abdullah the Butcher. Everybody was different. 
Now everybody seems to be a Vince McMahon clone that he wants everybody to do shit his way. Now, regarding Kenta, McMahon is taking four of his moves away because one is CM Punk's, another one is AJ's, AJ's, uh, one is CM Punk's, one is Daniel Bryan's, one is somebody else's, and another suplex that he does. McMahon don't want him doing that either because it could cause neck injuries. So what are you going to do? Change this guy's entire style, then you don't have Kenta anymore. The same thing with uh, Dean Amber, with uh, Seth Rollins. As Tyler Black in Ring of Honor, this guy was amazing. He ain't doing any of that Ring of Honor stuff that he used to do. And another guy WWE had a chance to get was Samoa Joe. They didn't want Joe because they said Joe was too fat. And look at how great Samoa Joe is. And AJ Styles is tearing up Japan. He is mm-hmm. phenomenal. I don't care if he's 37 or 47. He belongs on the main uh, roster. Maybe not in the title picture right away, but like Daniel Bryan and Punk and all, you work your way up to the main roster. As yeah. far as the old guys still being around, they put over the young talent. They work with the young talent. Why do you think Bray Wyatt has improved so much? He's working mm-hmm. with one of the best stars ever in the business, Jericho. Even even the old-time guys in ECW. Yeah, I'm yeah. all in favor of Bully Ray and Devon and Tommy Dreamer. Maybe they did do it just for the New York audience, but how many guys in, in wrestling has Tommy Dreamer made look good? EC3, oh, I'm not a fan of. He's... He's beating everybody. Everybody gives this kid the rub. And that's what yeah. the old timers are all about. Yeah, Sting. And right, Sting too. Sting would give the young guys the rub easily. Sting's that kind of guy. That's right. I mean, didn't he put over Jeff Hardy's thing? Yeah. Yeah, he put over In Jeff Hardy. Sure. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, AJ Styles, terrific talent. I don't know why they passed on him. So much politics. And uh, don't you agree, Blackjack, that AJ should be in the uh, WWE? Most definitely. The boy missed the boat. Yeah. You mean, uh, it would be great if he uh, came... uh, and from what he I had some matches with from what I heard, uh, th- there were a couple of meetings. It didn't go well. He thought one way, and it's okay to think one way, but when you think the opposite kind of a way of thinking, not even close to what they want to do with you, then there's just nothing they, they can do with you. Well, if he had a chance to go to the WWE and money was a factor, in other words, if they... You got money, and he was um, led to believe a, a certain thing, and um, it never materialized out so him, for him to be to do what he would normally do. Well, he's making plenty of money in Japan. He's doing very handsome uh, amounts of money he's making in Japan, and from what everybody says, his matches are phenomenal, so... They're smart over there. They know talent. That's for sure. 
Okay, uh, a lot of people ask, uh, where did Daniel Bryan come up with the yes chance? He recently uh, spoke to Chris Jericho on the podcast. Let's take a listen to Daniel Bryan talking about yes. Hey, you, you mentioned the, the yes chance. How did you start doing that, and, and, and when did it start kind of getting over as, as like, the thing to do? Um, so I started doing it, um, I, like, literally, I think the night I won the, the, the world heavyweight title, and that was in December of 2011. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was portrayed as this underdog and that sort of thing, and literally all that happened was it was a match with Mark Henry and Big Show. Big Show won the title, mm-hmm. and then Mark Henry, you know, DDT'd him on a chair or something like that. Mark right. was hurt, and, uh... And then so I come out and cash in the thing and then just celebrate like I just had the biggest, you know, the <laughs> biggest, like I just won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And um, and then so I started doing it and then like, and then they just kind of said to me, they said, we want you to go down to the ring and celebrate like you're the happiest man alive. Well, Diego Sanchez um, is a UFC fighter and he would do this thing where he'd pound his fist and say, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And so, like, and I love Diego Sanchez as a fighter, but I, like, my friends were like, "That's so annoying." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, it is annoying." Uh-huh. I'll take that. <laughs> like, so, you know, and then just throwing my arms in the air and that sort of thing. And then like, so the first time I noticed people actually chanting it was at the show in Seattle in that February, and then. um and then gradually in little pockets here and there would pick up steam. Uh, I didn't notice it so much at WrestleMania 28, although mm-hmm. people told and, and legitimately, I've never gone back to watch WrestleMania 28. I've never watched it. Right. Like, just never never had any interest. And, hey, let uh, me tell you what happens. Me let me tell you what happens. You kiss AJ, you turn around, you get kicked in the face, you lose. There you go. Right. Now you don't have to watch it. Yeah, but as far as, like, <laughs> fan reaction yeah. to it, like, uh, you, know, you know, there, all, all I'm thinking is, like, uh, you know, like, whatever, I'm going to yeah. get through this, you know. And then, um, but, so I don't know if there was yes chanting there, but the next night on Raw, and I wasn't even on the show the next night. I had, like, a little backstage pre-tape for about 20 seconds or whatever. Wow, okay. The whole, the whole crowd uh, was just going nuts and, like, just BSing during the Rocks promo and, like, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then we, we did a dark match, and it was after the show, I forget who was in it, but it was Seamus. It was a six-man tag, Seamus, somebody, and somebody, and me, somebody, and somebody else. And uh, every time I got in, like, there was all these yes chants. It, it was literally the most over I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. And, like, everything I did, people were just like, yes, and yes, and yes. And every time I'd get hit or I'd tag out, they'd be like, boo! <laughs> and, like, uh, they ended up, Seamus ended up pinning me with the, with the, um, with the kick. kick. But then everybody left the ring, and they let me just say something to the crowd. And they hadn't really said anything about um, it going anywhere with the shirts and stuff. But I, but I had talked to the merch guys that night as it was going on, mm-hmm. and I'd been asking them about a yes shirt for a while. And um, and then uh, I pretty much said to the people, I said, "Thank you for being such a great crowd." And then you guys have pretty much solidified me getting a yes shirt. So I, expect <laughs> I remember that. One of you to buy it. <laughs> so, so a little premature, and um, and because they hadn't officially told me that they were going to do it, but I thought, oh well, well, I'll hedge my bets here. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it incredible? Like in you know, if I would have told you, like in the year 2000, that in the year 2014, the two most popular catchphrases in WWE will be what and yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
know? Yeah. It's, I guess it's, it's just easy to chat, right? People can get into it, and they enjoy it, and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And, like, I also think, like, and I didn't, you know, there was, there was no premeditation by me as far mm-hmm. as, like, oh, I'm going to get this to be a huge chant. That was never... That was right. never what I was thinking. Like I just thought, okay, this is this is what fits this situation. Yeah. And um, but like it's also it was interesting with Ryback when he was doing Feed Me More is that people like when they go to wrestling shows and this is the modern fan um, they like to chant and they like to do things with their arms. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Feed Me More, like you know, it's just like. Because you can't do anything wide because you hit the person next to you. Right. And you go like, but if you go vertically up and down with your arms, like, <laughs> it's interactive, it's, you know, it's fun. Yeah. And, like, you know, kids can get into it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, like, that's really helped me, like, as far as, like, especially with kids, because I, I was always, I thought, more, like, kids kind of like me, but it was kind of, you know, the the teenagers to, like, older people yeah. who, like, really liked me before. But to get that, but you need you need something fun. And well, and like, it, it gave you a recognition factor, too. Like, even if people didn't know who you were or were familiar with you, it's like, well, there's the yes guy. We know him. We can say yes. We love it. It's fun. And it makes people right, pay yeah. attention to what you're doing, even if they don't really know you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's, uh, it, it, that's really, uh, it, and that's... It's just crazy how things work out. You know what I mean? Like, I think for probably the rest of my career, I'll probably be known as the yes guy. Yeah. And, like, you work so hard at all the other stuff. Dude, <laughs> I'll tell you it's what, like, man. It's this, it's this yesing that, with the, you know, people know you by. So I've had five-star matches. I've fallen off ladders and broken my teeth in half, and I'll be known as the armbar guy with a lighted jacket. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I mean, yes, too, it's kind of gone mainstream. I mean, basketball teams are doing it and football teams are doing it. And once you kind of get, you know, I mean, I know it was on Sports Center. Once you kind of get that, uh, get it over to that extent, you know you've got something special. Yeah, and it's just, it's, man, my life is just strange, you know. <laughs> like, so yeah, they did like, I was, they did a story on me on like the USA Today. And like, somebody was coming up to me, I forget who, oh, uh, Lumpy, the merch guy, was like, mm-hmm. yeah, every time the Pittsburgh Pirates, get a home run they all the guys do the yes chant and then like the people start doing the yes chant and apparently at the pittsburgh penguins i guess are in the hockey playoffs yeah maybe. like i don't i don't pay attention to sports whatsoever except for ufc right and like uh and and the seattle seahawks and um so <laughs> so the pittsburgh penguins are in the playoffs and then they, i guess the whole arena he said was chanting yes and it's like how did that happen like i I don't think those people even know who I am, you know, let alone, like, but here it is. And, like, you know, it's just crazy, like, with yeah. the basketball thing and all that kind of stuff. You just, you just like, here I am. I'm sitting in my little two-bedroom apartment right here, <laughs> you know, in Phoenix. And it's yeah. like, if people only you know, knew, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got, like, a little Honda Fit that doesn't even have automatic locks. And, like, <laughs> you know, 14,000 people or 10,000 people in a hockey arena, you know, 2,500 miles from here, all chanting yes. <laughs> it's just... Okay, uh, JJ, what's your thoughts on how the yes chant got, uh, uh, got introduced to the WWE world? Well, that's the thing that I really uh, enjoy about Daniel Bryan's story is, you know, lots of times when you watch WWE, especially, 
you know, especially now with this WWE Network, and they're really forcing down that 999 phrase. And now I'm seeing a lot of guys are going to be saying that in their promos. They're going to be shoving it down your throat. The Daniel Bryan yes chant wasn't necessarily shoved down your throat. It kind of happened accidentally. It was kind of uh, something that just sort of happened in time organically. The fans really took to it. You know, when Daniel Bryan first started to do it, as he mentioned, it was just a way to be annoying when he was the world heavyweight champion. You know, he had just sort of turned heel. He was kind of like this kind of wimpy champion. And, you know, you couldn't believe that he was a champion. He wasn't expected to be a champion. And you couldn't wait for someone to beat him because he would celebrate going down the ring like he won the Super Bowl each and every week. He was the happiest guy in the world, and people got sick of it. So they were booing him, and, and yet at WrestleMania, when Sheamus just went over on him in you know, a couple seconds, the fans were pissed off because they wanted a quality match with Daniel Bryan, his first big WrestleMania moment, and it was robbed. I mean, people have been waiting years to see Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania in a quality match, and they really could have had a quality match. But the WWE decided, oh, it will be much better for Sheamus. He'll just run right through him, and he'll be a great champion, and the people are going to love Sheamus. And the complete opposite happened, and the fans rebelled against the WWE forcing their champion down your throat. And instead, that was really when the Yes movement really began at WrestleMania, when they saw him come down the aisle. They wanted that big match, and they didn't get it. And the next night on Raw, as he mentioned, The Rock, one of the biggest stars in entertainment and in the WWE, and the people are chanting Yes. They're not cheering for The Rock. They're cheering for Daniel Bryan. And I believe The Rock even had to acknowledge about Daniel Bryan, or maybe it was John Cena, but they had to at least mention him because there was no way you could ignore all these people chanting yes because they wanted to see Daniel Bryan. They didn't want to see any of those guys. And it was just, uh, it really was amazing how it came about. It was something rare in wrestling when it happens organically. It's meant to be. It wasn't something that they planned. It wasn't something that was forced down your throat. It just kind of happened in time and time and uh, to where it is now where it's really gone mainstream. And as they mentioned, you know, lots of people chant it now. As football games, they get a touchdown. and soccer games, they get a goal. I mean, it's really become this big thing. I mean, you can't talk to a wrestling fan who doesn't know what the Yes Chant is. You can't even watch a TNA show, which has no affiliation with the WWE whatsoever, but even in those New York shows, those fans in New York at a TNA show are chanting Yes. I mean, it's really gone everywhere, not just in mainstream entertainment, but in wrestling, it is just synonymous. You know, if you see something you like, you chant Yes whether it's an honor of Daniel Bryan or whether just because you want to chant yes, because fans today of this generation, they want to be included. They want to be interactive. They want to kind of feel like they're a part of the show. You know, they want to chant whatever they want. They want to chant feed me more. They want to chant yes. They want to chant let's go Cena, Cena sucks. It's just about them having fun and feeling like they're a part of the show. So the yes uh, movement, uh, the chance, it really came a long way. Daniel Bryan wouldn't have main-evented WrestleMania 30 if he didn't have these fans who really started to turn their back on what the WWE was shoving down your throat, and instead they were going for their guy. At the Royal Rumble when Batista came back and Daniel Bryan wasn't even in the Rumble, 
and the fans got pissed off again. And, I mean, the WWE had no choice, especially with Punk gone. They had no choice but to give the ball to Daniel Bryan, and it's just a shame all the things that happened to him and that he's been through. He lost his dad, and now he has these injuries with his neck, and now with his nerves, his nerve damage. And uh, it just came at the absolute worst time in his career when he really is one of the top guys in the company. I mean, you know, compared to Cena, who will always be number one until he retires, at least Daniel Bryan was the number two guy. He finally made it, and he was one of the top guys of the company. And it just sucks that we won't see him for a while. But uh, it doesn't surprise me that he got the idea from uh, Diego Sanchez over in UFC you know, I know Brian's a big uh, UFC buff. Uh, we mentioned before he trains with one of Randy Couture's uh, cornermen. So uh, he definitely has that MMA uh, affiliation where he likes to kind of, you know, combine things and he sees something from them and it maybe it inspires him to try it, you know, at a WWE show. So it really completely changed wrestling of this generation. That yes thing will be a part of wrestling history, just like the what chance with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, I agree. And, uh, Dominic, what's your take on the Daniel Bryan interview? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. The yes chant, like J.J. said, came out of nowhere. We don't don't know where it came out of, but Daniel Bryan just went with it. Before that, it was no, 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 no. But the yes chant took over way more than that. And Steve Austin, what? That that was so long ago, and the fans are still doing it. And like the TNA in Manhattan, the fans were chanting, yes, yes, yes. And they weren't even in a WWE event. There was a guy doing it at ringside going, yes, yes, yes. And he was a dead ringer for Bray Wyatt. So he came dressed to a TNA show with the big beard and the fedora and the Hawaiian shirt. And he's chanting yes, and he's dressed like Bray Wyatt, yet he's at a TNA show. Now, that's a wrestling fan. <laughs> oh, amen to that. Blank, what's your thoughts on Daniel Bryan? Blackjack, what's your thoughts? Hold on a second. Blackjack. Uh, as far as uh, Daniel Bryan, yeah. boy, he will be back. That's my take on the Absolutely. whole thing. He'll well, be back. Daniel Bryan also, right. Daniel Bryan also uh, talked about how WWE gave him a title run. Uh, really good stuff with Jericho. When, it, when did you finally start noticing a little bit of, of a shift from from the WWE, I guess, officials? to knowing that they were behind you finally? Um, you know what? It's interesting because I, I it wasn't necessarily that I felt a, a sh- it was essentially after the lead to the WrestleMania moment. Mm-hmm. It was essentially after Punk quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it was, it was like, well, we've got John, and then we've got, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's more, and it was, Really, uh, when I first won the World Heavyweight Championship in 2000, December of 2011, mm-hmm. um, I was the money in the bank. I had the money in the bank, and uh, Mark Henry was champion, and uh, and that sort of thing. And I, I honestly think that the 
plans were for me to be the first person to lose oh. money in the bank thing. <laughs> right. And um, but then Mark got hurt, and he okay. was in a feud with Big Show, and I was kind of, and I've been kind of in this position for a while, where it's like I was the middleman for guys for their feuds. Mm-hmm. Like they did a Sincara Sincara feud, where it was like Sincara original Sincara beat me, then fake Sincara beat me, and then like <laughs> I'm just the guy who sets up these guys as far yeah. as that and I was that in the Big Show Mark Henry feud mm-hmm. and then when Mark got hurt it was more of a thing where it's like well <laughs> what are our options here and then all of a sudden here I am as the, as the, as the world heavyweight champion and I think and it's those kind of kind of lucky breaks where you get to go in and show what you can do as a performer that really helps turn the tide you know what I mean yeah absolutely so like uh, you know, and, and a lot of that is just is just circumstance. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and it's strange because I feel like a lot of guys, like I, I certainly feel like I'm a very good performer, but I also feel like there have been a lot of very good performers who just haven't caught any breaks, who haven't been in that spot where they were. And the only reason I was really the Money in the Bank champion, I think, is because. They didn't want two heels winning it that year. <laughs> and Alberto, Alberto was the other one, you know. And so it's like, you know, it's just a little series of things that, um, that, that add up to a whole lot, you know. Sure. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I knew, too, like I, I often say this. I even wrote it in, in my new book that's coming out, that the moment that, you know, you came in through the door in the W, and I know, I know you'd been there for, for a few times before, and you'd flirted with the company, but when you came in with, with NXT, when they brought all the guys in, and we'll talk about that in a bit, I knew that you were going to make it, the same way I knew that Punk was going to make it, the same way I knew Cesaro was going to make it, because when you've gotten over uh, anywhere, it could be in the, you know, you know, proverbial bingo hall or ring of honor or new Japan or wherever it is. It doesn't matter what level when you've gotten to the top at any company, you kind of have an idea of what you have to do to get over. And it might take a little while to figure out in the different companies that you're in. But once you get over once, most of the time you have an idea and you can do it again. And I knew you were going to be able to do that. You would just have to figure out how can I do that within this WWE system? Yeah, and, and you, you also, it's a matter of figuring out what the fans want, too. Mm-hmm. And what the fans want is constantly evolving. And that and that happens with every company, you know what I mean? Like, right. You can't, like, right now, you can go wrestle in New Japan. Like, they wrestled in 1995 in New Japan just, it, because it just wouldn't work, you know? The, yeah. fan, the fan base is constantly evolving and that sort of thing. And the WWE base is constantly evolving. And I also feel, I also feel bad for somebody like... Um, Gosh, I always forget what his name is in, on NXT, but uh, uh, El Generico. He's uh, Sami Zayn. Oh, Sami Zayn, right? Yeah, and uh, because he he's he's awesome, but it's crazy because now on WWE television you have all these guys doing pretty incredible stuff on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to stand out, like by doing good wrestling or or that sort of thing. Um, when you've got like so many guys right now, like you've got Cesaro, you've got Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, like just the Shield in in general. Just the past year has put on so many like awesome matches mm-hmm. that it's it's hard for somebody to come in and even if you lose every match, oh, oh well, he still had a good match because there seems to be like great matches every week. So it's uh, yeah. So, but that was actually one of the things too that helped us that. You know, a guy like Cesaro and the, and the guys in the Shield and stuff like that, like specifically Rollins and Ambrose, 
where they were able to go out there and do, do like, we've been given time, especially now that Raw is three hours, we can go out yeah. there and, and that we get time to actually wrestle now, which is really nice, too, so... It makes a big difference, yeah, when you don't have to rush and you have, uh, you know, a little bit of that option. Oh, hey, uh, JJ, uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Daniel Bryan and talking about the title run and everything. Well, it really is just uh, a matter of circumstance and that he was just in the right place at the right time, especially when he first won the world title, uh, as he mentioned, during that big uh, Mark Henry a big show feud and that he was, you know, one of the first people to win uh, the money in the bank. And I think, as he mentioned, there was talk of him possibly losing just because they wanted, you know, Del Rio to get it. They didn't want two heels to win. So they wanted him to finally be the first one to lose. But then, you know, you know, something happened. Mark Henry got hurt. They had to weigh in their options, what they wanted to do. And they gave it to Daniel Bryan. You know, I think he beat the big show in just a few seconds. And, you know, the place was really happy for him. It was his first big major championship. And at that particular time in 2011, I mean, it was like a Internet wrestling fan's dream. Here you have the world heavyweight champion, Daniel Bryan. You have the WWE champion, CM Punk. Two indie guys who made it in the independent scenes, and here they are in the mecca of sports entertainment, and they're the kings of their, you know, represented shows, Raw and SmackDown. I mean, it was just a, an amazing time as a wrestling fan to see those two guys at the top of the mountain, both world champions, representing the WWE, the land of the giants, and uh, it was just a remarkable time. Of course, they did decide to to eventually turn Brian heel. And then, you know, as we mentioned just before, and they took the title off him, and then the Yes movement came about. And then, of course, you know, Punk quit, and you lost your number two guy. So really, what else did you have? I mean, Cena was always going to be number one, but they needed someone else to fill the void that Punk left. So they decided, well, we got to go with Daniel Bryan. And I'll never forget, uh, I think I knew that Bryan was uh, going to be one of their made guys when they had him sort of hijack the uh, Monday Night Raw, and they brought all the fans in with Daniel Bryan shirts surrounding the ring, inside the ring, and they weren't going to let any of the guys wrestle. They wanted their WrestleMania match. And I remember, you know, sitting at home watching going, I don't want to see Daniel Bryan versus Triple H. I don't want that match. I know they're shoving it down my throat. That's not the match I want. And yet they then, they finally booked that big WrestleMania match, Bryan, possibly being in the, the WrestleMania main event, being added to Orton Batista if he beat Triple H. And then that was when I knew that this guy is going to be, this is the guy that they're going to push finally, and that he was going to be one of the top guys right there with Cena. But again, it's unfortunate, you know, a lot of these circumstances, like I said, the right place at the right time. But now, of course, he's in the wrong place at the right time where, you know, he suffered these injuries and just a lot of bad things have happened that kind of sidetracked him, although I do hope he makes a full recovery and I do hope he comes back to the WWE, you know, as soon as he can and he's, you know, fully healed. And even if he has to sort of watch what he does, he can't do exactly the same thing, but I hope, you know, we see a healthy Daniel Bryan wrestling and I don't think the fans are going to forget him one bit especially with Stephanie and Brie, with Brie being, you know, you know, in the main event of Raw, 
and you hear the fans chanting yes, and you saw Bree put Stephanie in the yes lock, you have kind of Daniel Bryan in the back of your mind. Even though he's not there physically, he's not there on camera, you think, okay, I see Bree, and when I think Bree Bella, I think Daniel Bryan. So he's still in the back of fans' minds. You know, they're not going to forget him. We all know the yes chant is because of him. So he's definitely in the back of our mind, and we're definitely looking forward to when he does return. But uh, Daniel Bryan's been very lucky uh, in, in that regard. You know, he was in the right place at the right time, you know, when he won the title for the first time, and then with WrestleMania and Punk going, he's just at the right place at the right time. I mean, if something else, if Punk never would have left, would Daniel Bryan have still been in the main event? Would Daniel Bryan, you know, be the WWE World Heavyweight Champion? I don't know, but uh, these things did happen, and it was the best thing that happened to Daniel Bryan. Okay, uh, Dominic, what's your take? Yeah, indeed, it was. It it, it was. It was. It was di- Daniel Bryan's time, and I'm glad they they gave him the title. I'm glad they did what they did. And now with with um, with Daniel Bryan injured, and Brie Bella still around. Daniel Bryan will always be around, even though he's not, and he is going to come back. He will be back. Maybe they are going to take a couple of moves away from him so he don't get re-injured, or he's got to, you know, make adjustments on the moves that he does do so that he don't get re-injured. But it's going to take more time than we thought because he's not getting the feeling back in his in his hand like it should be. Yeah. So... You know he'll be he'll be back though without a doubt without a doubt he'll be back. Should be interesting. Okay, uh, Eric Bischoff and Stone Cold talked about uh, Bischoff and how WCW fell apart, and he has what he had to say. In Monday Nitro, when did y'all switch to Kevin Nash having a book? That was towards the end when, uh, quite honestly, I was I was fried. There was there were things going on on the business side internally at Turner, Time Warner, AOL that my brain was in a freaking blender. You're talking about uh, the when, when things kind of started going awry. It was the merger with uh, Time Warner, AOL. Was it? Well, there were two. There was the yeah. Time Warner merger, Time which Warner. was which was okay. a real challenge. And then when it became AOL, Time Warner just got ass ugly. Okay, so so what what changed for you when that merger happened? Again, and that's when the headaches began. Oh yeah, but well, Time Warner is when it really began. When it, I'll never forget this. I went to a Christmas party one time at Terry McGurk's house. Terry McGurk at the time was the CEO of Turner Broadcasting, and it was just a handful of executives and their families that got invited to this Christmas party. And I went to Terry McGurk's house, and everybody was everybody that anybody was there. And Gerald Levin, who was at the time the CEO of Time Warner, came in. And everybody toasted, and it was a big deal. And Gerald Levin said, you know, one of the greatest things about this merger is that we're going to take the stability and the, the magnitude of this Time Warner infrastructure, and we're going to infuse it with the entrepreneurial drive of the Turner organization, and together we're going to become unbeatable. And I believed it. Like, you've you got to prove to me that I can't believe you before I won't believe you. Right. I don't immediately distrust people. I immediately trust them. And when he said that, I went, God damn, this is going to be even better than it's been. And mind you, it was pretty good for me. I had Ted Turner's confidence. And I was so excited. And somebody else about a week later said, be careful, 
because here's how these corporate mergers work. It doesn't happen overnight, but slowly but surely, the company that buys the other company own it. They control it. They, everything changes. And within months, I started seeing guys that were pretty loose, pretty cool, pretty creative, pretty entrepreneurial, people at my level and way above my level. All of a sudden, they're wearing blue suits, white shirts, red ties, wingtip shoes, walking and talking like their Time Warner counterparts. Well, this is ugly. And then then the reality hit. They changed everything about the way we did business. And that was the beginning of the end. And that's about the time when I, I brought Kevin in because my head was just, I was crushed. So how did he do for you? <laughs> Kevin's a friend. You know, it, it, he wasn't really cut out to be a booker. He didn't, or, you know, had a creative. He didn't have the... The support, he, he, people looked at him as being, you know, taking care of himself. And it, it, it was a bad situation for him. His intentions were there. Right, right. And his capabilities are. Kevin's a bright, talented oh, yeah, guy. And he smart. could probably do it right now. Right. But back then, coming off of everything that we'd come through on the NWO and all the crap that went along with it, it was horrible timing for him. Dude, it's uh, damn near impossible to try to book uh, Monday Nitro and then Thunder, what, three days later? Yeah. It was live TV. It was live TV. Had the How draining was that second show? Because you, you already had enough when you played. Two hours of bust-ass live TV. And it was head, it was hot and heavy, head-to-head competition. And so all of a sudden you get another it was three the hours? It was two hours. Two and hours? I, and I knew it was the beginning of the end. And, okay. uh, and I'll never forget this. I was driving through Wyoming. I don't remember the year, but it was, I was driving through Wyoming with my family, going to our place. And I got a phone call from my then boss, Harvey Schiller. He goes, Eric, hey, how's the vacation? It's great, Harvey. Hey, good news. Ted just called. He wants to do a two-hour show prime time on TBS because, you know, TNT's doing so great. I didn't say fuck you, but I was thinking fuck you because he was Harvey. He was a colonel in the military. I couldn't say fuck you. I, but I was thinking, oh, right, Harvey, cool, you know, good joke. Yeah. Okay, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone until I get back. Don't mess with me anymore. He's a good dude, by the way. And he goes, no, Eric, I'm not kidding. Ted wants another show. I said, Harvey, please tell me you're kidding. He said, I promise you, Eric, I am not kidding. When I hung up on the phone, I knew we were done. Because there's no way we could do it. Just didn't have the infrastructure. Creatively, talent-wise, I knew we were going to delude ourselves. You just can't create. We couldn't. We couldn't create that much interest in our property. Well, JJ, I'll tell you a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Eric Bischoff uh, blaming Thunder uh, a bit, blaming a lot of things uh, on the demise of WCW. Your thoughts on Eric Bischoff? I think that's a lot of case goes to Ted Turner. Ted Turner just looked at the numbers of how Nitro was doing on Monday night on TNT. He saw, okay, well, Nitro's doing well. They were number one for many weeks. And, oh, well, well, maybe if I create another show, then that will be number one, and then that will do so many numbers and whatever. He's not really looking at, you know, the details of making a show, of putting the show together. He's just looking at numbers. He's not looking at the actual people that need to be involved and how draining it is to do a second show after you just did a three-hour Monday Nitro to do another two-hour Thunder show and to have that same, you know, atmosphere of Nitro and for it to be a special. And then, you know, I think a lot of people were worried about Nash when Nash was in charge of booking because, unfortunately, maybe he had the reputation of, 
you know, one of his buddies, Shawn Michaels. And when Shawn Michaels kind of went into business for himself, and he just kind of worked with his boys when he just worked with the click. And maybe people were afraid Nash was going to do the same. You know, what you always hear about when the inmates were running the asylum. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it was very taxing on WCW, and it showed. And they never recovered from it. I mean, things started to go downhill and uh, it's just unfortunate, you know, the headaches of Bischoff then eventually wanting out, and then a lot of guys were just getting kind of burnt out. I mean, it just became too much for WCW, and uh, it's it's a shame because WCW, if you can believe it, WCW used to be the number one wrestling promotion. They actually toppled the WWE for weeks on out. I mean, the WWE were worried that maybe the WWE was going to go out of business. It was really that bad for them back then, and yet somehow we had that switch when the WWE came back, and then WCW was the one that went out of business. I mean, it's just uh, amazing all the things that happened, but just stuff that you wouldn't even think about if you're a wrestling fan. If you're a wrestling fan, you're just judging by what you're seeing on television, when really there is just so much behind the scenes that go on that we don't even think about as fans, but unfortunately that what led to the demise of WCW, and it just became very taxing on everybody involved, and they couldn't put the best product out there when they had to do so much work. It, it was just a, it's a shame. Uh, I agree. Dominic, what's your thoughts on Eric Bischoff? Yeah, there is a lot of work into putting on two shows. It really is. We watch it as fans, but, you know, you got to consider who's writing it, the people that travel, the guys that drive the trucks from arena to arena. It's no picnic for them. We sit down and we watch it. We say, oh, great, another wrestling show. We got, we got Raw. We got, uh, we, we got Thunder. We got, uh, we got this show. We got that show. There's a lot of work put behind it, and people bust their hump doing it and trying to get it across to us as a great product. And they were doing that during the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Even though I hated that because you had to watch one show, tape another, then yeah. see what you watched. But Ted Turner, all he did see was the numbers. So he figured if, if, if Nitro was doing good, Thunder will do good too. Because he wasn't a wrestling fan. He was just a ratings guy. If the ratings are good, let's keep on doing it. And it led to the demise of WCW, unfortunately. And I wish they were still around. I wish all yeah. the territories were still around, but unfortunately they're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I don't even like WWE three hours. I think that's too much. Wait, they should go back to two hours. hours. And we don't even need SmackDown. Yeah, Just make it make it an hour show if you want. Less is more. Because it'll create more interest. If you, you, right. There's just so much of it that it's oversaturation. Now it's so oversaturated like with it being on TV and with the, all the pay-per-views. It's, there's no time really to build up feuds and to end feuds. Before you know it, there's another pay-per-view. Yeah. It's not as special. Before we go, i got to say, I did enjoy uh, watching Dixie go through the table on TV again, and I did see it live. Uh, what was your thoughts, JJ? Well, you know, the moment was very special, and uh, the only thing that if I had to critique anything from TNA was 
it was a very big moment for TNA, but because it was taped before and it wasn't live and the fact that they kind of spoiled it the week before and even the week uh, when they aired it, the start of the show, they kind of said it happened and they had a teaser. And then throughout the show, you know it's coming. I mean, they're, they're basically telling you it's going to happen. And yet I remember watching EC3 do promos and say that it's never going to happen. My Aunt Dixie's never going to go through the table. Never, never, never. It's like, we know it happened. I mean, you, basically TNA told you it's going to happen, and yet for him to do those promos, it didn't make any sense to me. I would have edited that out completely if you're going to tape it, you know, delay. I mean, I can understand airing it for the New York shows when it was live, and you want to just create that atmosphere like, okay, maybe it's not going to happen. I mean, we don't know. It's live. But on these pre-taped shows where you know it's going to happen, to hear him just flat out tell you it's never going to happen, and the fact they're basically telling you, TNA, it's not you know looking online or looking at spoilers, TNA is telling you it's going to happen, and yet they still aired the promo saying it's never going to happen. It's just that was the only thing that left a sort of a sour note with me. But, I mean, other than that, the show itself was awesome. They had a monstrous ball match with Abyss and Bram that was great. You know, the actual uh, eight-man tag between Ethan Carter and Rhino and Snitsky and Ezekiel Jackson versus Dreamer, Devon, Bully, and Snow was great, although I thought maybe that should have been in the main event. You have that eight-man war, and then you immediately put Dixie through the table. The fact that they kind of waited, they lost the audience. During that uh, eight-man tag, the, the, uh, the numbers were a lot higher. People were watching the match. They were into the match, and then the minute they went, into, uh, I think, the beautiful people and Taryn Terrell and Gale and then the X Division match, you know, the ratings went off. People kind of got tuned out. They said, well, I guess maybe it's not going to happen or they're not going to short or maybe I'll tune in at the last minute. And they never came back because, unfortunately, when Dixie did go through the tables, there wasn't as many people watching. They kind of missed the boat, which was the whole point of spoiling that Dixie was going through the table. You wanted to make sure you had as many people possible watching this moment in wrestling history, and they weren't watching. And uh, that, to me, is a shame because it was a huge moment. I enjoyed it. I remember them showing all the different camera angles. It was, uh, it was amazing to see Bully Ray put Dixie Carter through the table. I mean, you could tell, though, that Bully did everything he could to protect uh, Dixie. I mean, Bully basically just put himself through the table. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a really great moment, and uh, Dixie took it like a champ. So props to Dixie Carter for going through a table. I mean, that's her first really big bump in wrestling. She's not Mae Young. People compare her to Mae Young, but Mae Young was a legit wrestler, one of the toughest women in women's wrestling. Dixie Carter is not Mae Young. Even, even though Mae Young was much older, I, I don't think Dixie was as tough as Mae Young, but, you know, she went through the table like a champ, so I give her a lot of credit for that. Uh, yeah, I agree, Dominic. What, did, you, did you see it? Yeah, so, me think? too. I saw I saw her too, and I thought it was excellent. Even 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 with EC3 saying my aunt will never go through a table, you had the spoilers. But I guess they kept that in for people that didn't know the spoilers, that don't have the computer. Yeah. And yeah, it was often con- um, said that they 3D did it to May Young, and yeah, but and May Young was up there in age when she took it, but yeah. she was a professional. Oh, yeah. And she was a professional wrestler. Dixie wasn't. I give her yeah. ma- uh, major props. And 
for you know for taking one for the team. Oh yeah. I mean, she could have got herself really, really hurt. She did get injured, but thank God, bully like you said, JJ basically put himself through the table and did everything right. in his power to protect Dixie, and he he did it excellent. I think mm-hmm. if Bully would protect me like that, I think I would go through a table, too. Why not? <laughs> and Dixie <laughs> took one for the team, and I, I, I applaud her for that. Yeah. For somebody that's a, non, a non-wrestler. Yes, she definitely did take one for the team. And Blackjack, what's your thoughts? You saw it live. I thought it was great. Saw it Absolutely. coming a mile away. She had to do it. There's no other recourse. Yeah. Of course. Of and you course. know what they do, too? Well. That, that, that thing was on, that night that it happened, it was up on these uh, YouTubes or whatever that thing is there, right? And then uh, five yeah. minutes, right? And then uh, a few hours later, they're selling the pieces of table. Found oh, yeah, I read that. Isn't that something? Yep. <laughs> It's like endless. You I saw a picture of, of it on the website. Actually. It's $200. You get a picture of Bully Ray with the table that says Dixie on it. I think there's a picture there with him holding her up. Yeah. And there's a piece of the table that you get and a piece mm-hmm. of the mat, a cloth mm-hmm. piece of the mat in a big frame, and they want 200 bucks for that. Wow. Yeah. It was on the website today. Cool. That it. I wonder if they sold any. I'm Probably sure they not. did, but yes, I wonder if they did. They're the diehard wrestling fan. had to buy that crap. But, uh, I remember back in the day when Sabu used to go through a table. He used to sign all the pieces, and they used to give them away. That's right. Wow. With the blood oh, on Oh, yeah, Sabu would kick them through the table. Yeah, with the blood on the table, too, yeah. Yeah, Sabu should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, if you yeah. can put in non-WWE guys, Sabu is just as you said his name that came to mind. Why not put him in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, why not? We have table matches because of Sabu. He brought the table to America to you know American audiences in ECW. We wouldn't be having these table matches if it wasn't for Sabu. That's right. And we wouldn't be having three-way dances if it wasn't for Paul Heyman. Oh, no. Yep, that Terry Funk-Sabu franchise triple threat match. Oh, boy, that was great. That was great. But uh, this weekend, of course, is SummerSlam. And the question is, Lesnar or Cena should be interesting. We'll have a full recap. Again, uh, this Sunday, uh, SummerSlam, uh, a lot of matches, so uh, yeah. it should be interesting. Um, we'll give you a good report next week on it. And uh, that's about it from here. Okay, Dominic, thank you for joining us. Blackjack so and JJ, appreciate Absolutely. A pleasure, my brother. A pleasure. Okay. Take care. We'll speak to you next week. All right. Have a good week.